0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, has lost his parliamentary majority according to near-final results in elections to the 577-seat National Assembly. His centrist alliance will still emerge as the largest party, but lost dozens of seats. A left-wing alliance was poised to become the biggest opposition group, but the far right is on the verge of a record-breaking 85 to 90 seats, up from eight in the last election. Russia said that its attack on the city of Severodonetsk in eastern Ukraine was going according to plan and claimed to have captured the settlement of Mitchell-Kenye on the eastern fringe of the city. Meanwhile, Jens Stottenberg, NATO's secretary-general, warned that the war could last for, quote, years. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said his country, quote, Will definitely win the war against Russia during a visit to the southern front line. Colombians elected Gustavo Petro, a leftist ex-guerrilla, as their president. Mr. Petro beat Rodolfo Hernandez, a former construction tycoon, by a wider margin than Poles had predicted with 50.5% of the vote to Mr Hernandez's 47.3%. Mr Petro, a former mayor of Bogota, the capital, has been a congressman for decades. He has pledged to make university education free and ban new oil and gas projects, but will need to work with a fragmented Congress. FINA, Swimming's world governing body, voted to restrict the participation of transgender athletes in women's events. From Monday, only swimmers who have transitioned before the age of 12 will be allowed to compete in them. The new rule most prominently bars Leah Thomas, who in March became the first transgender woman to win an American college swimming championship from participating as a woman at the Olympics. China's e-commerce giant JD.com posted its lowest ever sales growth in one of the country's biggest shopping festivals, 618, Over the 18-day period to Sunday, sales rose by just 10.3% compared with 27.7% during the equivalent period last year. The figures confirm fears that consumer confidence in China has been badly shaken by extended COVID-19 lockdowns, as well as slowing economic conditions. Ireland's Taoiseach, or Prime Minister said that Britain's plans to scrap part of the post-Brexit trade deal it reached with the EU concerning Northern Ireland amounted to, quote, economic vandalism. Michael Martin argued that Britain's plan, set out in a bill presented to Parliament last Monday, was, quote, unilateralism of the worst kind. The EU is taking legal action against Britain over the bill. Large protests took place in Tunis against a constitutional referendum called by President Kais Syed for July 25th. Opponents of the Tunisian president argued that his proposed changes would move the country further towards one-man rule. The protests followed similar demonstrations on Saturday and a nationwide strike on Thursday. Opposition parties say they will boycott the referendum. And fact of the day, 13%. Manufacturing share of GDP across the OECD club of mostly rich countries, an all-time low.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A vicious circle of inflationary expectations. Economists expect that the global surge in inflation will soon come to an end. The general public are not so sure. A worldwide measure of people's inflation expectations over the next year was more than 4% in May, up from 2.3% a year ago. Other measures of inflation expectations seem to be growing, too. The worry is that these beliefs will start feeding into actual economic behavior, wage demands, say, or pricing decisions, thus feeding the inflationary beast. Indeed, central banks may have difficulty getting inflation expectations down again. After decades of low and stable inflation, few people pay much attention to what Jerome Powell, Christine Lagarde, or Andrew Bailey say, or even know who they are. History offers some lessons. In the 1980s, Paul Volcker, chairman of the Federal Reserve, culminated his image as an anti-inflation nutter. Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher were known for their anti-inflationary zeal. Perhaps it's time for inflation to be named public enemy number one again. China delves deeper into Africa Signs that China is tentatively revising its cherished doctrine of non-interference can be seen in the Horn of Africa. On Monday, a peace conference kicks off in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, organized by China after its appointment of a special envoy to the region, which is racked by ethnic, territorial, and resource-driven conflicts, including a war between Ethiopia's federal government and the rebellious region of Tigray. China has said very little about what it wants to achieve other than to tackle the challenges of, quote, security, development, and governance. Protecting its considerable economic investments in the region is probably its main concern. But China is unlikely to attempt to mediate directly in Ethiopia's civil war. Rebel groups are not invited. Eritrea, a major source of the region's instability, is unlikely to attend. In all, it is doubtful the conference will address the root causes of the Horn's instability. The latest cycle of gerrymandering comes to an end. Monday is the deadline for Louisiana to submit a new map of its congressional districts. A federal judge rejected the state's previous proposal, passed by the Republican legislature over the veto of the Democratic governor, when it was found to violate the Voting Rights Act by not including enough black majority districts. Louisiana is the only state left without a map for the midterm elections in November. Once approved, America's contentious redistricting cycle will finally end. After the decennial census in 2020, Democrats and Republicans competed to redraw congressional boundaries in their favor, a process known as gerrymandering. Courts attempted to block more egregious efforts, sometimes, as in Louisiana, to avoid the marginalization of racial minorities. In some states, like Ohio, Republicans simply ignored the courts. Across the country as a whole, the partisan balance has remained stable, but the number of competitive districts has dwindled. The Supreme Court may rule next year to expand the ability of states to gerrymander. Voters look set to be stuck with still more extreme candidates. Sri Lanka seeks help from the IMF. These days, Sri Lanka often looks deserted. The most active people are officials, scrambling to emergency meetings. Public transport has ground to a halt. From Monday, schools and state-run offices will be shut for two weeks. Fridays have been declared a public holiday in a bid to conserve fuel. With rolling blackouts and a lack of medicines, the country confronts a humanitarian crisis. Food prices have soared as farmers plow through an acute shortage of fertilizers. A delegation from the International Monetary Fund will visit Colombo, the capital, on Monday to discuss a rescue package. On May 22nd, Sri Lanka defaulted on its debt for the first time ever. High energy prices and the COVID-19 pandemic contributed to the worst economic crisis in seven decades. But so too did the country's own economic mismanagement. Last week, the central bank governor admitted that the government could have gone to the IMF sooner. Better late than never. Nobel Prize Auction for Ukraine After Russia invaded Finland in 1939, Niels Bohr, a Danish physicist, donated his Nobel Prize medal to aid Finnish civilians. More than 80 years later, he has inspired another laureate to follow suit. On Monday, Russian journalist and last year's Peace Prize winner Dmitry Muratov will auction his 23-carat gold token to help Ukrainian refugees. The starting price is $550,000, but higher bids are expected. Another medal belonging to Francis Crick, a molecular biologist, fetched $2.3 million in 2013. Mr. Muratov has already done much to oppose his government. His independent newspaper, Novoya Gazeta, has for decades investigated corruption and human rights abuses in Russia. Founded on a small budget in 1993, the publication was boosted with the last Soviet president, Mikhail Gorbachev's, own Nobel Prize money. Six of its journalists have been murdered since 2000. It kept going, until March, when it suspended operations as the Kremlin muffled media critical of its war. Daily Quiz Which performer in the Star Wars movies was the daughter of Debbie Reynolds, an actress and singer? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Bernard Baruch, who died on this day in 1965. Vote for the man who promises least. He'll be the least disappointing.